At this week's 2020 Chicago Comic Con, aka C2E2, Jonathan Hickman and the X-Men team announced the X-Men's first Dawn of X crossover, X of Swords, no, pronounced Ten of Swords. Starting in May's free comic book day special, Ten of Swords is a 15-part crossover, primarily running through Hickman's X-Men and Teeny Howard's Excalibur. Today I'll answer, what is Ten of Swords? Why does it make sense that X-Men and Excalibur are the focus comics? Predictions and theories about the event, including a brief history of X-Men Swords. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. If you like Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. Links to Comic Book Herald channels and Patreon support are included in the show notes. You can find full X-Men and comic book reading orders and analysis like Reckless Theories, like What's Gonna Happen in Ten of Swords, over on ComicBookHerald.com. Spoilers for discussed comics as well as very recent X-Men comics may follow. So, what is the Ten of Swords? As it turns out, X of Swords is pronounced Ten of Swords, which is a reference to a tarot card. Now, I am very, very unfamiliar with tarot cards, but I've got an image here up on the screen, effectively what this looks like, which is Ten Swords piercing into the back of someone lying slain on the ground, clearly having been stabbed in the back. Now, all the connotations that stabbed in the back bring are in play when this card is drawn in terms of painful endings, deep wounds, betrayal, and loss. As a total newcomer, again, I was intrigued to learn a card like the Ten of Swords has an upright and a reversed position, and the meaning of the reading changes depending on this position. I'll note for those interested in their own theories, the reversed position of the Ten of Swords refers to recovery, regeneration, and resisting an inevitable end. The last of which sounds so specific to the mutants on Krakoa and Myra's powers of 10 revelation that mutants always lose that it almost can't be an accident. Regarding the meaning of Ten of Swords, I'd encourage obsessed X fans to read up on some of the details because it's impossible not to set your mind racing on X-Men connections and possibilities. The readings are just vague enough that a billion storylines instantly fall into place. Based on the core meaning of betrayal and being literally stabbed in the back by Ten Swords, talk about overkill, my mind immediately jumps to Mr. Sinister, the ultimate promised betrayer, or potentially, and we'll dig into this in more detail, Apocalypse and all the schemes he has of his very, very own. Now, speaking of tarot card connections, this actually isn't the first time we've seen illusions in the Hickman era of X-Men, considering Powers of Ten tease the Magician, the Tower, and the Devil, one has to assume with very purposeful, great intent. I expect all these cards to play a major role and to be explained in more detail in Ten of Swords, particularly the Tower, which was also just teased in the background of X-Men number 7, is the mysterious, perfect Krakoan home of Nightcrawler, and where I imagine he'll be hosting sermons for his new mutant religion. In terms of predictions and what I think is coming, my absolute favorite connection centers around the mysterious origins of Arako and Krakoa, teased in House of X number 5 and X-Men number 2 as deeply connected to longtime X-Men villain and now ally Apocalypse. Credit here to at the Mutant Menace and at Larkin Z for hitting me with variations of this theory first after the news broke at C2E2, and I was furiously tweeting from the panel room about relevant swords that could play a role in this crossover. So let's start here. Krakow and Arako were separated during a demonic invasion, and Hickman writes about the Twilight Sword of the enemy as the weapon tearing the world asunder. The Twilight Sword is a very specific choice of words in Marvel, most memorably tied to Surtur in the pages of the Walt Simonson all-time great run on Thor. 
Here, the Twilight Sword is a Herald of Doom created by Surtur in the Mines of Muspelheim to defeat Odin and bring about Ragnarok and the destruction of Asgard. In that regard, it's not unlike many, many other weapons and artifacts in the Marvel Universe of great immense power, except here, of course, it is wielded on a giant-sized cosmic scale. When the Twilight Sword reemerged in the Kurt Busiak and George Perez Avengers about 15 years later, Thor is careful to point out the sword has magical, mystical elements that can influence the makings of reality. The power of the sword isn't just that it's a big-ass blade, although it's a really big-ass blade, but the fact that it's imbued with all these other realmly mystical connections. Again, it has ties to the Nornstones here, which are mentioned, which are, by their very definition and essence, particularly magic, sometimes powered by dark magic. The big reason the Avengers connections to the Twilight Sword matter here, or at least the reason I'll theorize they matter, is that it's Morgan Le Fay who wields the mystical artifact. In Avengers number 1 to number 3, again this is the 1998 run by Busiak and Perez, the swelling Avengers lineup is warped into a medieval realm controlled by Morgan Le Fay and Mordred, all using a combination of the Twilight Sword and, kind of amazingly, when you think about the weird cross House of X Powers of Ten connections this brings up, the mutant witch, quote-unquote, hex powers of the Scarlet Witch. As we've seen since the conclusion of Excalibur number 6, Apocalypse is currently dissecting and running experiments on this same very Morgan Le Fay. This feels like way too much connection to be a coincidence, and I'm convinced Apocalypse is searching Le Fay's being for mystical connections to the Twilight Sword that allow him to magically access the realms it once tore asunder. In Otherworld, Araka War feels very much in play here, especially given Jamie Braddock's own reality-warping abilities, which rival the Scarlet Witch, and Apocalypse's clear machinations to put Jamie on the throne of Otherworld. Bringing it full circle, I predict that all these connections mean Apocalypse is studying the mystical properties of Otherworld and the Twilight Sword in order to access the extra-dimensional realm where his first horsemen are trapped since the split of Araka and Krakoa. We've seen in both the Marvel Comics number 1000 one-pager from Hickman and Dustin Weaver and in the Powers of Ten selection of Sinister Secrets that Apocalypse strongly desires the return of his secret first horseman, the preferred and most powerful of them all. Exactly why he's looking to bring back these horsemen, who are notably visible in Moira's ninth Moira Apocalypse timeline, is unclear, but I could definitely see it tying back into that betrayal the Ten of Swords card foretells. Maybe it's not Sinister, maybe it's Apocalypse. My primary theory is that Ten of Swords is a mega Araco Krakoa story. There have been seeds planted throughout Excalibur and Hickman and Yu's work in X-Men number two. We have a trail of swords, summoners, and secrets, and I anticipate it will all come to fruition in the Ten of Swords. Another major X-Sword that comes to mind, apart from, you know, Excalibur itself, is Ileana Rasputin's Soul Sword. There's a lot that goes into Soul Sword, like a lot, a lot. But effectively, it's a combination of Ileana's own soul and her magical ability. Soul Sword is powerful enough that its master more or less controls the realms of Limbo, which are inhabited by all sorts of demonic beings. The absolute standout potential of the Soul Sword, uh, it takes place in a story about, or the actual, you know, the potential of this in a story about Araco and Krakoa is seen in the pages of New Mutants number 50, where Ileana uses the Soul Sword to cleanse Limbo of a techno-organic virus. The learning here, that Soul Sword can cure the darkness of a mystical realm, seems especially potent and, and you know, some real connective tissue for Araco and Ten of Swords. The flip side, though, is that during Inferno, the Soul Sword corrupted Ileana to the point of turning her into the Dark Child and opened a portal between Limbo and Earth. 
Again, this is hugely relevant, as a portal between realms could be at the heart of Ten of Swords if it's about Apocalypse trying to get to his original horsemen. Otherwise, we've been seeing swords pop up a ton throughout X-Men comics, and when you pause to think about it, all over X-Men and related Marvel history. Just in X-Men number 7, we see Apocalypse championing sword fights as the trial-by-fire methods of the Crucible, where mutants prove their worth and desire to return to their rightful mutant heritage in a post-decimation landscape. This could just be that uh, Hickman and company really enjoy the visual of medieval weaponry in the hands of mutants, and I have to say, I generally agree. <laughs> Seeing Apocalypse in a sword fight just has a certain cool as a visual that is very, very appealing. Lionel Francis, you artwork on X-Men number 7 is awesome, but I do wonder if it's a little more intentional than that. There's also notably the Cerebro Sword, which Magneto gifts to Professor X upon his resurrection following his assassination in the pages of the Ben Percy-written X-Force number one. Now, when this data page was revealed in X-Force, you know, it's sort of just this hint of this longtime friendship between Magneto and Professor X, but it's also the sort of thing that you don't drop something like the Cerebro Sword without some sort of plan for bringing that back later. When you start digging into X-Men characters in the Ten of Swords promo and beyond, the history of swords is long, deep, and maybe entirely irrelevant, but still pretty fun. Likewise, Marvel's tease of swords from the Marvel Universe past and present really opens the door for some timey-wimey weapon selection. Could we see Exodus wielding the famed Ebony Blade from the Crusades, for example? Everyone in the promo uh, seems to have a custom-made sword, like the aforementioned Professor X with Cerebro, or Wolverine with what I'm guessing is the Maraspo Mar Blade, Gorgon with God Killer, but the one that really catches my attention is Rachel Summers with the Phoenix Blade. And yes, I am just going to carry on like I didn't completely butcher, pun intended, the pronunciation of Wolverine's sword there. The Phoenix Blade was introduced, I believe, during the End of Grey's storyline in approximately Uncanny X-Men 480-ish as a weapon empowered with a fragment of the Phoenix Force. Corvus, a descendant of the Shi'ar, uh, Rookshire, who created the blade, and ultimately was consumed by the Phoenix Force, originally tried using the blade to kill Rachel Summers before they come to you know, some sort of understanding. It would be very, very interesting and compelling to see Rachel now wielding this self-same Phoenix Blade, which I think was destroyed at a point in X-Men history not too long ago, so it would have to be brought back or pulled from the past or something. But seeing Rachel wield a fragment of the Phoenix Power, having been a long-time you know, host of the Phoenix herself, I think is an excellent connection and brings the Phoenix at least in part, into our story in a way that I think a lot of fans have been anticipating. All right, finally, on the most reckless note of the bunch, swords are kind of a big deal in seemingly unrelated Marvel events these days. We have the Necro Sword of Jason Aaron's time on Thor, pictured here in King Thor, and now Donny Cates' work on Venom, where Null, this villain, this mystic, cosmic, not mystic, this cosmic villain that um, the god of the symbiotes that, that Cates and Stegman have introduced, is, is also wielding the same Necro Sword. And we also have Hulkling using the Star Sword in the pages of Empire to unite the Kree and Skrull together in a, an alliance that is, you know, bringing a giant cosmic-sized war to Earth's doorstep in the pages of the mega, mega universe-wide 
crossover event that is going to be happening in May 2020 and will consume some X-Men books as well. There's going to be two Hickman-written tie-in issues that, when I asked the question at C2E2 of Jonathan Hickman, he seemed really genuinely excited about tying into Empire, particularly so there's going to be two tie-in issues. I think it's uh, 11 and 12 if it maybe it's 10 11 something like that in x-men and then there's going to be a four issue empire x-men series that hickman's like his eyes lit up when he was talking about how fun this book was to write so the idea that there might be some overlapping connections here as well not entirely out of the question all right there you have it this marvel has released like four sentences and one image on uh ten of swords but i've got a lot of thoughts and i feel pretty good about the theories and predictions I've made here. If you have thoughts of your own predictions, just comments on what I'm putting out here. I'd love to hear them. Leave a comment in the YouTube channel. Come on over at Comic Book Herald on social. Or, of course, you can always find me writing at comicbookherald.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm super excited about Ten of Swords and about the future of X-Men, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about it as well. So thanks, and enjoy the comics. Hey!